0: Welcome back, friends. Ed Harold here, your fearless leader. My Life with Breath podcast series. And today we have just a young man who's really a force for the truth of what's going on in the world from the inside out. Someone I'm really proud of. And he's a colleague of mine. His name's Josh Trent. Welcome, Josh.
1: Thank you, Ed. I uh, love that you said young man. I appreciate that. (laughs)
0: so everybody buckle up close your eyes open your heart i'm going to read you his bio and i want you to take it in from the belly from the heart not just in the ears of your brain and see where these words lead you into your sense of self so josh trent is the founder of wellness force media host of the wellness force podcast and the creator of breathe breath and wellness program Josh has spent the last 19, we're going to round this off to 20 years because he's really good at it, as a trainer, researcher, and facilitator discovering the physical and emotional intelligence for humans to thrive in our modern world. The Wellness Force mission is to help humans heal mental, emotional, physical health through podcasts, programs, and a global community that believes in optimizing our potential to live life well. Josh's life is dedicated to supporting humanity to come together as one. Yes, Mr. Josh Trent, welcome.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me. And I realized that I need to update my bio to 20 years. So thanks for the reminder. And I loved how you said to have people feel it in their belly. It's so beautiful. I love that, man. So thank you for having me on your broadcast.
0: So I'm a little bit of an old lion. I've been in the game for a long time, and and you're a young lion, man. And you're not only are you a great listener, but you also don't suffer fools well. You are dialed in to the truth of the human experience. Today, I want to speak a little bit about the foundations of self-love and how breath and our perception and our value system can help us remain connected together as a human tribe. Yeah. So self-love, when you hear those words, what resonates with you today, sir? When I,
1: when I hear the, the words self-love, immediately what I feel somatically is a circle. I feel um, a circle inside myself, which is wholeness, which is completeness, which is homeostasis. And mm-hmm. self-love, self-care, um, it, is not a, it is not a sentence that deserves a period. It is a sentence that deserves three dots because it's ever going, ever balancing and ever evolving. So when I think of self-love, it's synonymous for me with self-care. And I think if you put both of those words, if you look at the etymology of self-love, it probably has a lot to do with uncovering who we are and what we actually are rather than getting some external locus of control so that we can feel better. In other words, it's an inside job.
0: When we think about how the breath interacts with our cardiovascular system how it interacts with the spiritual branch of the cardiovascular system can you explain a little bit about how the breath is dialed into this uh organically
1: well you and i both know that we don't just have one diaphragm we have four so we have cerebral spinal fluid that is circulating the back of our cranium, so when we're doing the diaphragmatic breathing we are and we are encompassing the enteric nervous system the vagus Mm -hmm. nerve we're also entering if we're smart into the parasympathetic branch of the nervous system which is that rest and digest juiciness that really self-love comes from and so there's so much biologically what's going on there but if you want to talk about organically ed i think what's going on organically is that we're activating the innate intelligence that we are and I don't care if you are a spiritual person, a religious person, you and I both know that we breathe, but we are also breathed. Something mm-hmm. is breathing us, right? In my world, it's God. It's not a bearded dude in the sky, but it is an organic innate intelligence that lives within, within us. And it's that same intelligence that we are in communion with or not. Right now in our society, what's going on is we have a separation from God. And again, I'm not a religious person. I'm a spiritual person. And I believe that, that God is this omnipresent force that lives inside of us, right? So you don't have to go to church to recognize this. And you can go to church if you want. There's no judgment either way. Mm-hmm. But really this circle, this organic intelligence that, that you teed me up for, this is about using our body and using the breath as a whole system so that we can feel safe where we live, which is in this frame, which is in this physical meat suit. So that that's really the unfolding of, of what we're talking about. And of course, there's a bunch of science and biological processes, which I know you're an expert on and which we both love. But really what we're talking about is organic intelligence.
0: You know, over the last couple of years, I, I think as a society, we've exposed a lot of non-self-love or rejection of the self, or I am not worthy to sit at the table of where the choices are being made in my life. You know, how do you think we gradually or do we just expose this or has it been there all the time?
1: When you say, has it been there? You mean the attack on self-love, the decay of self-love, the narrative around self-love or or all, all three?
0: Yeah, just like the lack of self-respect that sometimes we see when we go out in public, and you're like, "What voice in your head think that's the right thing to do?"
1: Uh, yes, I think the narrative inside of our heads is both subjective and objective. So, if right. you and I were in an airplane and we were thirty thousand feet above the Earth, and we were able to look down and see everyone's narratives in their brains, it would be pretty shocking because mm-hmm. the voices that we believe as human beings. And that you and I, and all of us get to constantly reevaluate without judgment. That's the big part is this narrative of I'm not enough. I'm not doing enough. Who am I to do ABC or the big one? I am in shame about how I've been, or I'm in shame about what my parents told me. Or if you look at, at Hawkins work, a really great author who wrote power versus force. And he's also written many books about the frequency scale. One of them is called Letting Go. It's one of my favorite books. And in this, he talks about this frequency scale. So a Hertz is how many times something moves. So I think at about hundred Hertz, that's the lowest vibration that we can feel as human beings and it's called shame. Well, the highest vibration we can feel is Nirvana, right? Which resonates at 900. Well, Ed, at about 250 frequency Hertz, we have courage. And so we go from shame and apathy and guilt to courage, then we can really move. Then we can really start changing the narrative. But unfortunately, the the iPhone and the media and a lot of voices out there, they are making trillions of dollars off of people being stuck in lower frequencies, lower vibration, shame, apathy, guilt. We need to get uncomfortably upset. We need to be able to feel our sacred anger about what's going on in the world and also the narrative that we believe about ourselves and about other people. Because the, the great illusion that we've all fallen prey to is that you and I, Ed, are separate.
0: You
1: you don't breathe the same air that I breathe. Well, that's a lie. You don't love the same way that I love. Well, that's a lie. Love comes from the same place. We just learn about it uniquely. We Uh, all have the same universal human challenges, but it's the narrative that we force around those challenges to either be for us or against us. And it's really easy for the intellect to hear that and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's either for us or against us. No, I'm talking about really taking a breath (sighs) through your belly. You notice my shoulders didn't go up and down because I'm Mm -hmm. breathing through my belly and I'm allowing myself to feel this. I feel upset and sad about what's going on in our world. I feel upset and disappointed about how I see people treating each other in the world and treating themselves. Mm -hmm. And so from that place, I can take an honest inventory. And then through my breath, I can cultivate the courage to change it. I can change the way that I see it. I can feel the sadness that I feel about how people are treating each other and how the world is. And then from that place of honesty, where I'm truthful about my sadness, then I can use my breath to cultivate the courage, to cultivate the strength, to do something about it, to do something different in the world Mm -hmm. for myself and the narrative that I have.
0: That's so well said. There's so much to unpack right there, but that's really the foundation of where we are right now, looking down on, you know, in this imaginary drone into our minds in this lower frequency When I first began to investigate myself years ago and all the cracks in my armor and the, the lies I used to tell myself about the world and myself, and I began to notice that there was an inauthentic version of myself, my lower self, my shadow, which is basically driving my choices. And then I had my true self that, that loved me no matter how I showed up in the present moment without judgment, this light. And I began to see that this light of this self-love and true self was actually creating this really small shadow in my mind. But I thought the shadow was a huge monster and larger than my light. (laughs) And then I I began to focus on my breath and I began to take these huge boulders of the shadow and break them down into smaller rocks and then pebbles and then bite-sized pieces. And then I went, aha, that's why. I thought that way or that's why I perceive that way and I think folks are stuck in that lower self they're comfortable in that and they're they're forgetting that this self love this light is actually just creating the shadow for us to learn and grow.
1: I, there's so much to share there. What I love the most is behind you. There's these huge beams of light that are coming in from your window. And as you were speaking about the light, you were almost holding the light in your hands. That was really radical. So for everyone watching, like that was pretty cool. Like you didn't plan that, that just happened. So that's a, that I look for evidence Ed. I look for evidence, uh, um, for, for things to to show me that I'm on the right path, to show me that I'm supported, to show me that I'm in the right place. You could call it a positive lens. You could call it positive thinking. Personally, I don't think positive thinking is the only tool in our toolbox. There's many more. But really what you're talking about with the shadow is this. We all have it. And your courage as a leader and all of our courage as leaders in this world to take a breath or six and turn to the shadow And take an honest emotional inventory about what's in there. That's the degree that we're living truthful in life. That's the degree that we feel peace in our hearts, that we feel peace in our body. And my path has always been about garnering this wisdom. You know, I'm 41. I'm like, I feel like I'm just getting started now. I'm just like, everything I knew in my 20s has been washed away like a sandcastle at the beach. Uh, Everything in my 30s, I'm like, okay, well, I'm starting to understand who I am. I'm starting to unpack my shadows. But it wasn't really until I became a father that I really saw God and I really understood what forgiveness was, what responsibility was, what honesty was. It's been profound. So the shadow that you speak of, it's within all of us. And I think to the degree we're in communion with that shadow because the shadow doesn't want to get its ass kicked. We're not here to demonize the shadow or to or to push the shadow away. It's our relationship with the shadow to,
0: to ever evolve that, that makes the most difference. Oh, that is so well said. So well said. You know, when we think about breathing, and let's start with slow motion, nostril diaphragmatic breathing, and and, and the effect it has on our hormones and our genes and our body. And then we speak about how. Slows the brainwave patterns down where we go from these beta waves that were in our nine to five mind. And then we slow down into this alpha state, which is a little slower, more creative. You can think outside the box. But right below that, we have this magical theta state. And like your young child is in this theta state all the time. And it's a state of maximum learning of the environment that you're in. Adaptability, learning, storing in the subconscious, growing. When we're dealing with uh, the shadowy self, the the part where there's resistance to being in our heart, when we can use some of the breathing to get folks into that theta brainwave pattern where they're not fully awake, they're not fully asleep as adults, we can do amazing rewiring of the subconscious every time we dive in to that theta state. Has that been uh, kind of your experience?
1: It's definitely my experience. You know what I've been experimenting with now with the program and our students is I've been using binaural beats and isochronic tones. and Good. i've I've combined Good. that with uh, a two second inhale and a four second exhale, just a continuous, conscious, connected breath. And of course, I don't have an EEG or a PET scan. So I don't know technically if I'm in that theta. But I'll tell you, it it feels in my body. So I experience somatically the same kind of release that I would get from a long catharsis journey, you know, like a Wim Hof or a Stan Grof method. And it only takes about 30 minutes. Obviously there's points where we're just doing breath hold retentions and the music is playing. But a lot of what I've been learning about breath and also sound is that they're brother and sister. So when I'm, when I'm using audio or even when I'm using smell, Ed, you know, Mm -hmm. I I have, uh, we have the five senses. And so the more of those five senses that we can basically turn on with the intention, of course, to be at peace, to learn, to be humble, to, to understand the shadow, then I think the, the bigger learning cur- or the shorter learning curve we're going to have, the, the bigger uh, wisdom we're going to have. So that's, that's been my experience for sure. But I will also say that for me, it's, it's, the, it's the supine position. It's, it's actually laying down where I can really drop into that with the proper cushions and pillows and whatnot.
0: Yeah, me too, me too. You know, when the body feels that horizontal support and everything balances out horizontally from the vertical that we're in all day long, it seems like after about six to eight minutes when the autonomic nervous system kicks in and you gradually begin to eavesdrop on the mind, and then you could be with any imprint of your past, but it's not gonna have that emotional charge that you normally have to that is either like or dislike, positive or negative in the beta brain.
1: I love that you said eavesdrop on the mind. (laughs) That's a really good phrase.
0: Yeah, you know, this is our roommate. You know, our mind, it's everywhere. It can be be outside of man-made time. It can be in man-made time. But, you know, we've got to make peace with our mind if we're going to talk about self-love. And we have this brain-mind, which is this amazing hard drive that gets us through the day and our, our challenges of life we've got a little different software that kind of comes from the heart. And we can we can tune that brain into that heart with a focused breath. We begin to remember that we know stuff. It's not like you're learning (laughs) anything new. You just it's all inside these cells. Everything that's ever happened and everything that's going to happen, it's already all in here. And when we are absence of self-love, you'll notice you're probably not present and you're in the brain. And one of the ways that we can get out of that is just have your mind focused on the breath and shift this beat, this drum, this ancient tribe that's banging all the time here your entire life. And all of a sudden you're fearless and you might not have the answer to the non-self love, but at least you're not afraid.
1: Yes, you're moving forward even in, in spider in the face of fear. And, yeah. and I know I'm going to say a few things that maybe people have heard, you know, fear, false evidence appearing real. I right. get it. Or forget everything and run. All that is, is just a really cool way. It's a really cool way of saying, Hey, we're not at peace or Hey, mm-hmm. something needs attention. That That's really what fear is. Right. I don't think fear is a bad thing. I really, right. I don't, I think that there's rational fear, like, Hey, I'm next to a cliff and I might fall. That that's, that's our innate intelligence telling us to not jump off the cliff or jump right. out of an airplane. And then there's, there's irrational fear. Which mm-hmm. is like me talking to you and me feeling I used to, when I very first started podcasting 2015, I would feel a lot of fear before I would go on a video. And when I started to explore my shadow, what I found in there was that I was actually out of alignment with nature. And, mm-hmm. and I'll share with you exactly what I mean. When really? you said you can put your hand on your chest because your heart knows. What you're talking about is a lot of things, but really it's mirror neurons. So Mm -hmm. there's the same neuron structure in our brain that there is in our heart. And so the heart actually knows much further before the brain knows. And Mm -hmm. and science has proven this more and more. And and you can look at some of the work of Daniel Laporte or even David Wolf, we've had him on the show. Like the heart has a really powerful intelligence. So for me personally, I was out of alignment with nature. I was trying to masquerade and present myself when I first started my journey as having wisdom. Now I might've had a little wisdom, but I was pretending that I had more than I had. And so now I can just be in alignment and I don't have any fear talking to you. I actually am excited about it. I'm like, hey, what's possible? You know, what can we create today? What can I learn from Ed? What can people learn from us? But it's because I'm in alignment with who I am. And that honestly, Ed, just takes time and it takes courage and it takes looking behind the veil. It just takes some breath. It takes right. some time, it takes some breath. It's this middle way that we always have read about and heard about. But I think in order for you and I to learn the middle way, we have to swing on each side pretty drastically, don't we? Right. We we yeah. go hard and then real soft and then real hard and then and eventually we calibrate ourselves mm-hmm. to find the middle. And and I think when we go hard and when we go soft and we go side to side, really what that's doing is it's chaos seeking order. It's it's you mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. and me personally finding my um, my misalignment. You know, what am I not being honest with myself about? What from childhood has not been healed? What mm-hmm. did I get from my dad and my mom that love them? Did They did the best they could. And I'm sure I'll make mistakes with my son. But there's con- there's a conscious path that you and I and that all of us are on about, you know, you you have this thing where you say, go be great, which I love. So if Thank we're going to go be great, then we have to embody, we have to be, we have to be aligned in order for us to be great. And if right. we're not aligned, if we're not honest with ourselves about what's still hurting us, what's still eating away at us, what's still causing us uh, mm-hmm. resentment, what we're not forgiving someone else about. It's impossible to be great if you haven't forgiven yourself and others. You can't right. do it. It's just not possible. Right. And the breath helps us take that inventory.
0: That's uh, well said. You know, it's not go do great. It's go be great. Be human. embody it. You got to embody be the great embody it. Yes. You know, and how do we how do we embody some of these? Uh like I mean, I'm I'm a flawed human being. I'm not perfect. There's still a lot of work for me to do. The rabbit hole is, you know, it goes thousands of miles deep, and I'm up for the ride. You know, but when, when I'm grounded, when I notice there's anxiety, when I notice there's fear, there's a little voice in my head it says, pay attention. You're going to learn something. It's not like, oh my God, I got to take a standing eight count. Mike Tyson's making a comeback. It's like, oh my God, here's an opportunity today to shift something that is not in alignment with who I really am. Yeah.
1: I think about, you just made me re- remember when I was a kid, I used to play Mike Tyson's punch out, you know, like <laughs> the video game. And, and we are, this is the one thing I'll say, if we can all take a big belly breath and just feel into this. Like (sighs) we are in a big video game. Mm -hmm. Our hands are on the controller. Mm -hmm. I don't control your life. You don't control mine. I control my life. You control yours. When we take that video game controller, and we Mm -hmm. put it in our parents hands, or we put it in our spouse's hands or we put it in our boss's hands, or we take the controller and we put it in someone else's hands. We're not playing the game anymore. And then of course we're going to be upset because we're angry with the results because we're not actually playing the game. So it's time for us to learn how to breathe, grab the controller, pull it in, play the game from a humble place because control is an illusion. You might hold the controller, but you ain't in control, right? Nature, God, higher intelligence, great spirit is in control. So that's really where we need to return to. And I think what keeps us away from that, Ed, is um, really upper cross syndrome and mm-hmm. breathing from our scalenes and breathing from our upper chest. I can't tell you how many people I've worked with, and I know you've felt this probably in your practice and in your coaching for a long time, is that we are in an epidemic of reverse breathers. Right. Where when people take a deep inhale through their nose, their belly goes in. I'm like, hold on. Right. Lay on the floor. Let's put a weight on your pillow. Let's have you breathe in and push that pillow to the ceiling. Like, people need to be trained to breathe properly because, you know, with all love and with all respect, because of what we've been through in the past couple of years, and because of what honestly most people have learned from their parents, we're all taught not to breathe.
0: We're Mm -hmm. all
1: taught to like mash our feelings down and take little sips of air. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. So, we need to slow down. We need to learn how to breathe through our belly again. And we need to learn how to to be honest with ourselves and with others.
0: So well said. So, you know, we're human beings and human beings are master feelers. Human doers can be master thinkers. And how do we kind of combine the beer and the doer in these challenging times so that we can remain authentic and begin to grow outside of the debris field that we're all carrying from the last two years of, it's just called it misrepresentation of the truth.
1: <laughs> wow, you ask, that's a bomb drop question.
0: Yeah, I mean, might, we're there I might now, take... buddy. We're 24 minutes in, we're launching, uh, it's a carpet bomb.
1: I might take a little time to unpack this. So, so the first take layer, the first layer of what you're speaking about is how do we connect the head to the heart? How do we connect the being and the doing? Right. Mm -hmm. And so the chasm, what, what, what makes the chasm wider Mm -hmm. between knowing and doing or head to heart or Mm -hmm. being and doing is really our awareness of self. And -hmm. I know many of us have probably heard this, but slow down, take a breath. This is real for me. This is real for all of us. And that is to the degree that I know myself, I know my triggers. I know my sadness. I know my joy. I know what lights me up. Mm-hmm. I, I know what, what I'm still healing from, right? Cause there's a myriad of things that need to be looked at when we look at the human, right? And they all deserve love and attention. So that chasm between head and heart, knowing and doing, uh, being and doing mm-hmm. is really the self-awareness, right? It's written on the temple at the Apollo, uh, know thyself. Mm-hmm. And it's written there for a reason because mm-hmm. Our society and our phones and and really the construct of this matrix that we're inside of, it is designed to make you not know yourself. Because when you don't know yourself, you're more easily monetized. You're you're easy to be shamed and guilted about what you should buy to make you look pretty. Or as a man, how much muscle you should have, how much money you should make. You're easy prey when you don't know yourself for the people that want to monetize your soul. And so that's Mm -hmm. the first layer. And then the second layer is once you have the courage and you, and you have the coaching or the guidance to get yourself to a place where you know yourself better, well then it's so much easier to deflect the monetization from unconscious capitalism. It just washes off your shoulder. Like it ain't no thing. You don't need Mm -hmm. to buy the newest shoes, the newest phone, the newest anything because you know who you are and you know that nothing outside of you that you purchase Uh, is ever going to fill the hole in you because you're already whole and complete and that's the work that we're all doing and so the space between head and heart and the space between incessantly doing and just Mm -hmm. being it comes to know yourself it comes Mm -hmm. by knowing yourself and then from that place it comes from an inventory process and a really Mm -hmm. powerful one actually ed that I've been doing for a long time with clients is I'll just get a basic journal. This is super simple. I'll get a journal. And on the right side of the journal, I'll write 10 things that are causing me the most pain. And, And typically what I do with myself and with clients is before I do this, I'll go out into nature, I'll do maybe a seven or a 10 minute breath practice, whatever my body's calling for that day. Most likely it's going to be a a box breathing meditation because it's in the morning for me and I want to get more grounded. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't want to blast off in the morning with some big circular breath practice. And then from that stillness, I write the 10 things that are causing me the most pain and everybody really feel into this because this is huge. It's going to seem simple. Your subconscious might try to kick it out and be like, whatever, Josh, that's too simple. It's not going to work. Well, are you going to do it? Because if you do it, it could change your life. Ten things on the right side of the paper. Feel into them the things that are causing you the most pain, the most stress, the most anything other than peace. Then on the right side of the paper, write ten things that you truly are grateful for, not just ticking boxes here. Like really write down like I'm grateful for my wife. Mm -hmm. I'm grateful for my son. I'm grateful for my life. I'm grateful for grass on my feet. I'm grateful for an espresso and clean water, like really feel them. Then Mm -hmm. this is the big part. You look at the two pages, you circle the one that's causing you the most pain. And then you circle the one that you're most grateful for. And then you take a breath and you call your coach or you call a really trusted friend. And I wanna be very specific here when you do reach out to a coach or a friend that you're going to share this inventory with, you have to make sure that there's someone that supports your dreams. There's someone that actually wants you to succeed. They, they, they want the best for you. Be careful who you share your emotional inventory with because unfortunately or fortunately, sometimes we surround ourselves with people that like to sabotage us because we want to stay small. So be very careful about who you share this with and then share with them. So if I was working with you, Ed, I would say, I've done my inventory mm-hmm. and I've circled the thing that's causing me the most pain. So I'm, I want to work with you and I want to share with you. I'm committed to changing this one thing. And the reason I'm committing to change it is because I love this thing that I circled so much. Mm-hmm. And then when times get real hard and you know, cause your will will be tested. When you go to change your life, you will meet resistance and mm-hmm. resistance will block you. So, In order to work with a coach or work with a friend or work with yourself, you have to first know what's the number one thing that's causing you pain. Because that's another program that people run. There might be 10 things that are causing them pain and they'll go, oh, I don't know where to start. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm just Mm -hmm. not going to start. It's like, well, get clear on what's the number one. Then from there, you ask the person can you hold me accountable to this? Or can I ask, can I ask for your support in this? There is power in that declaration. There's power in being vulnerable and asking for support. So it's this nice emotional inventory process. That's so simple. It's so simple, but it's so freaking powerful because it involves truth. Anything that involves truth is really, really powerful. And of course, before this inventory and before the vulnerability and accountability, we use the breath because Mm -hmm. it's only from that place that we can get really clear about what our body is telling us. As you know, the body is the subconscious mind. So that's a great place for everyone to start, especially with what we've been through in the past couple of years of, I would say mind control. I would say it's actually more sinister than the truth being misrepresented. I I think it's a world, a global psychology operation where we are literally seeing around us who is psychologically strong and who is not.
0: Mm-hmm. That's well said. And you said it simply. All of this is simple. We have to wake up. Yeah. You showed us You showed us a journal. People who do personal growth work and, and are result-oriented people, nine out of 10 of them have a journal. It, it, it's that simple. People use simple things that their body knows to incinerate these subconscious imprints. Apple cider vinegar, lemon juice and apple cider vinegar, baking soda and water. All of these things help remove the inflammatory markers where we're holding these subconscious imprints from the past that have no bearing on the amazing opportunity you have in this moment today to remember who we are. Simple things, simple,
1: simple, but are we doing it? And this is where this is the, I want to get really clear with everyone here. Sometimes it's so easy to kick out things that are simple because we want to stay stuck on a subconscious level. And this isn't conscious. This isn't something where, where I, or we can even be aware of it. Mm -hmm. The ego is its number one job is to protect itself. From shame, from ridicule, from embarrassment, and from danger. Mm-hmm. And all those things that I just mentioned, <laughs> I shall almost laugh saying them because n- none of them are really true, but in the moment they they seem like they can be true. So we we tend to, if we're not in a breath practice, if we're not in emotional inventory practice, we tend to believe the lies that our ego has imprinted in the subconscious mind. And the lies might have a voice and they might say something like what Josh is saying about that journal stuff. We've already done that. It won't work. It's too simple. I don't know. What's that going to do? 10 things, 10 things. I'm not going to call my, I don't have any friends that, and the next thing you know, you can list 50 things, 50 reasons why this won't work. 50 reasons or more. If you could apply the same energy and bandwidth to why something would work and to really, this is the big part, have a lens of curiosity that's fueled by courage. Mm -hmm. Your life can be, I mean, it makes me emotional just thinking about like your life can change, but you have to be willing to lean into the blade to put your feet into the fire. And And if you're not willing right now, that's okay. I'm not here to shame you and no one is, but be honest that, If you're not willing to lean into it, nothing's going to change. And it's going to be Groundhog Day. You can be Bill Murray tomorrow morning, right? Waking up Groundhog Day. It's going to be the same thing. So I'm not exactly sure where I was going there, but I felt emotionally it was necessary to be said that we, we have to be willing to see things, even though they're simple, doesn't mean they're easy.
0: Yeah, you know, you can't outrun your mind you know, there comes that certain point in your life where you have to just stop and turn back to the intruder and say, you know, what do you want from me? You know, <laughs> what are you if you're not me? here to help, yeah. I have tools to get you out. You yeah. can stay, but you got to be quiet. You know, you have to kind of reverse engineer the trigger and pull the weed before you decide to go forward and plant that new flower.
1: I, I like a clean garden myself.
0: Me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> you know, this function, you you have have to pull these weeds. And you know, any place our mind, our ego mind doesn't want to look. That tells you right there, that's the first place you have to look. That's the trick.
1: (laughs) One 1 One thing I'll say, and I'm, you may have heard this before or not, that's, it's powerful, no matter how many times you've heard it. And it's and it's the metaphor of the Joseph Campbell's hero's journey right? Separation, initiation, and return. But one of the most powerful things he's ever said that just sticks with me. And and I, I talk about it every week, either on a podcast or with friends. He says, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure that you seek. Mm -hmm. So just feel into that for a second. There's a cave. You're afraid to enter it because there's something in there that's actually seeking you that, that you're seeking each other and 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 I think Ed mm-hmm. I'm curious how you feel I think it's wisdom I think there's wisdom in the cave I think that you'll know yourself more by going into the cave you'll become stronger more confident more loving more vibrant you'll be you'll actually live your life instead of just surviving by going into the cave but what blocks us from going into the cave is not wanting to be embarrassed, not Mm -hmm. wanting to be foolish in, in others' eyes, not wanting to make a mistake. It's like, man, you, in order to grow, you have to be willing to fail publicly. Mm -hmm. You have to be willing to fail and get your face bloodied and look stupid and say the wrong thing and apologize. Like there is no other way to live a life without breath and to live a life where you're always right. And you're always perceived as having your stuff together. That's not living that that's just surviving. And then we pass that on to our children and not, not on my watch.
0: So obviously you bring a lot of feminine qualities to your male energy of just having a broader, you know, wider base of how you're interacting with the moment, you know, much like, you know, the feminine awareness bursts, new awarenesses, new consciousness, new perspectives. And the male energy is the action of that feminine intuition. And you've mastered this at at such a young age. And it's just so, like, you're just a, ah, God, it's just so refreshing. You know, there's people out there like you and people need to resonate with this. You are not alone. There are people out there like you who who want to challenge the norm, that want to push up against constructs that we know are inauthentic and are stealing our free will. So, you know, I thank you so much for being 41 years old, but having the wisdom of an 82-year-old. Wow.
1: That's a huge compliment coming from you because my edge of learning is to be in the understanding and the dance more with my feminine. My default is kind of like close my jaw, work, get it done. Mm -hmm. Masculine completion. That's my Mm go-to. So for me, the big one is actually um, like for this podcast, I prepared, I did three minutes of breath work before I came on. I felt into what I wanted to share. I, I, I I live with intention. And from that intention, I can do a better balance of masculine and feminine. But Mm -hmm. if I just wildly kind of, you know, stroll in on a, Mm -hmm. on a rodeo horse into a situation with like no preparation, well then that's going to show where my cracks are. That's going to show where where I need the most work the most. So I think it's, it's there's so many fractals to this conversation. There's so many layers as to what we're unpacking here. But I would say that it feels great to receive that compliment from you. And I also trust that there's even more understanding of what masculine feminine actually is. I was raised in a very um, challenging environment, um, East County La Mesa in the 1990s, which was like a geriatric community and a young kind of troubled youth community. There really wasn't a lot of wise elders in my community when I grew up. And so I think I've always been starved for wisdom, but I've always found my way. Right. And, and a lot of that comes from uh, just being grateful that I'm here, you know, just being grateful that I get to be here on planet earth and just returning to that gratitude as much as I can.
0: And I'm so grateful just to be in a body and being able to play. I mean, yeah. you know, life is serious and, you know, but there, we, this is a very playful, loving experience. It doesn't have and to I be mean,
1: so damn serious though. We make it serious.
0: <laughs> and I get it. You know, serious is, is a big part, you know, of what we get from our mind and the social modeling that, that we picked up. But what we're really great at, what really fills us up as we age is, Nourishing that inner child, you oh, that inner child, what is that? Well, you know, that's a deep rabbit hole, yeah. but like I'm, I'm, the other day I was skiing with a bunch of people I've been skied with in 30 years and we're all in our sixties and everybody is skiing the exact same way they were when they were 25, but somewhere along the line, 40 years of man-made time just eviscerated and it, it's gone. And it's just interesting to see the little tricks that that are in our mind that take us away from just the beauty of being us.
1: Mm. I have experienced that myself, where I'll do something as a grown adult. And actually, it's come a lot through my son, where when I play with him, I just do silly, stupid things. I'll throw him up, I'll roll on the ground with him, I'll make little voices, you know, (laughs) I'll just do the, I'll do the things that you do when you're a dad. And to someone looking at that, they would go, oh, that's kind of silly. But to me, it's, it's the most loving form of play. Right. Because when I play with my son, who's, he's seven months old now, when I play with him, it's a way for me to actually play with the kid and me. And so Mm -hmm. young, Carl Young went very deep into this, right? And he talks about how there's the, the anime and the animus, and that's mm-hmm. the masculine and feminine side of both of us. Well, you ever want to see a perfect balance of anime and animus or masculine and feminine? Go look at an infant. Mm-hmm. Every right. single infant is born with this perfect balance mm-hmm. of masculine and feminine. When they're hungry, they cry. When they mm-hmm. have a dirty diaper, they cry. When they're joyful, they let it rip. It's like Mm -hmm. you and your buddies like plowing down a a black diamond. It's the same thing. (laughs) It's the same energy that we're all experiencing. But what blocks this energy of the anime, the animus, the masculine, the feminine, it's our self-righteousness and it's Mm -hmm. our wanting to be perceived as perfect. It's our wanting to be perceived as I'm the greatest. I'm like, like Muhammad Ali, right? Mm -hmm. I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest boxer in the world. The reason that he was so popular and the reason that um, people loved him so much is because he really embodied that, that playfulness. And also I think in later on in his life, he realized that, you know, maybe he could have treated people differently and maybe he could have been a little bit different. I mean, he's one of the greatest boxers in the world. Right. So why I'm saying this is like, we all have that, that youthful spirit inside of us. We just have to be careful that we don't become a Muhammad Ali without borders, that we don't become, you know, this narrative of self-service where we say, I'm the greatest in the world. I'm the best. No one's as good as me. You're lucky to be in my company. That hubris, that ego, that cockiness, that's when we're out of balance from the play and being in play like you on the mountain or me with my son or any of us playing, there's a purity there. There's a purity there that doesn't need to be seen as the greatest. The only thing we need to do in that moment is just experience the greatest thing in the world, and that is to be in play. I don't think there's any other experience that's more beautiful, that's more godlike than, than true, true, true play, right? Maybe you could put sexual experience right there with that, but mm-hmm. a true sexual experience should also be play. And mm-hmm. there was a, a long time in my life, and for many men, where um, we're, we just simply don't have the tools as men to respect sexuality to respect women and to respect the sacredness that that sex really is and i think our lack of play and our dogma around sexuality um i think there's a lot of cross feedback and cross mm-hmm. pollination as to why there's a lot of hurt in the world as well
0: yeah i think we really missed the boat you know with the sexuality thing you know the way we, it was socially modeled for us you know when, when you think about health mental and physical health, emotional health. When you, when you think about healthy sexuality, having a, a good relationship with my emotional, sexual energy, I think that really creates a longevity to the mind frame of self-love.
1: I think you're right. The, the The physical conduit, think of it like, I wish I had the iPhone charger, but you know, when you plug the iPhone charger into the wall, if the contacts are dirty, the electricity won't flow. Right, And it's it's the same thing with chi, with, with sexual energy. If I'm blocked from mm-hmm. my inner child wounding, maybe anger that's not processed or just a jaded view of what sex is, mm-hmm. there was a long time in my life where I thought sex was something that it absolutely was not. <laughs> and right. I can laugh about it now, but like, you know, I had a deep, deep struggle with pornography where it mm-hmm. just ruled my life for, mm-hmm. for over 20 years. And When I got down to the bottom of it, doing some very deep work and honestly breath, the breath helped me tremendously get to the bottom of that addiction because when we're breathing properly, as you know, the issues are in the tissue. So when we're going through intermittent hypoxia, when we're having tetany, when we're doing these deeper, longer cathartic journeys, there is absolutely nowhere for your stuff to hide. You you can't hide it because it's going to come full center for you. Right. And so what I started to realize was my addiction with pornography and the way that I viewed sex was actually not much to do with sex. It was actually just in an uneducated mind because I had Mm -hmm. learned it from my dad. You know, he, when I was young, he would put like a playboy on the table and that was it. There was no, there was no conversations about like, Hey, this is healthy sexuality. And this is, this is how you relate to a woman. So, so I look back on that with both with both sadness and compassion, right? Compassion being the the largest part and also giving myself space for sadness and going, huh, myself as a father now, the conversations I'll have with my son and what we as parents and we as human beings deserve to have with one another is, hey, let's take a breath, let's slow down. Let's talk about what sex really is. It's a sacred union where all life comes from and it deserves to be shared with people that you love. And that's really what sex is this twenty four seven three six five complete assault on our limbic brain from pornography on the phone mm-hmm. we're in a giant uh, guinea pig experiment we're literally an experiment where for the past twenty years or so, I think internet porn has existed we're just now seeing the fallout with mm-hmm. teenage boys and girls from mm-hmm. from the absolute abuse of this pornography. And I'm not here to say that all pornography is bad. I think that some erotic art can be very healthy if it's done with right intention. So I'm not here to demonize it. But I am going to say that if you serve your child donuts every single meal, who's to blame for them being overweight? If you give a child access to pornography and don't ever monitor their phone, who is to blame for their jaded view on sexuality and sexual health? So it's a very deep question, Ed. <laughs> I mean, you ask, you ask very deep questions. I think to, to round it out, when it comes to sexuality and health, we need to be honest about what things truly are. And then from that place, have a conversation with the people that we care about and just keep circulating that conversation. And then eventually the truth will,
0: will bubble up. Uh, that's so well said. Again, just beautiful gems of light. You know, when we think about ourselves, you don't really think of ourselves as we started with one cell and it replicated itself a trillion times. And these genes, they're being turned on and off all the time by by how we're breathing. And there's kind of a collective intellect of the entire species, our level of self-awareness or the physiology, the spirituality, the psychology. But. At the end of the day, what I see happening is there's a battle going on for our attention within our waking hours. That's either draining our energy, leaving us sick and tired, where we're making decisions from the lower brain, the shadowy self. Or it's stimulating something greater than ourselves, deeper inside ourselves that allows us to be a moral person filled with humility and gratitude. Just happy to have a uniform on and I'm going to be the force for good and positive in this moment. Can you explain a little bit about how this, the powers that be that we can't see are affecting our energy levels, either in a positive or negative light, either bringing us towards self-love or self-hate?
1: I really resonate with the way you think and, and the way you ask questions. This is great. The number one thing that you're talking about is what is going on around us that is affecting us both uh subjectively and objectively or collective society and then me as a person Mm -hmm. because we have to talk about them both right they're they're not actually separate they might seem separate to the logical mind Mm -hmm. or, or to the scientific mind but they're not so when i'm we've all heard that you know you are the The sum of the five people you hang out with, which is 100% true, by the way, it's another platitude, just like the journal. It's another platitude that people like to just gloss over. Oh, I know what Ed is saying. I know what Josh is saying. Yeah, my closest five friends, they, yeah, three or four of them don't really have my dreams in mind. And we just get drunk all the time. We really don't really want to do anything, but, but they're fun to be around. And then we create stories. (laughs) We create stories as to why the five people that are closest to us are still great people even though they're not. Mm -hmm. So that has everything to do with what you're talking about. Because when we surround ourselves with people that, that don't have the, the greatest vision for us, that are actually atrophying us, that are, they're decaying us in our growth. Then we start to see a lens of our collective through the jadedness of the five people we hang out with. So that's step one, identify who you're hanging out with. And then step two is actually to see what's going on with the narrative. And the narrative is this, Your immune system is not safe. You need to buy our pharmaceutical drug that's experimental and put it in your body. Your immune system is not safe. Breath isn't going to save you. Your health isn't going to save you. You need to make sure that you talk to your doctor about every single thing that you do, whether it's exercise or having sex or or sitting at your desk. You need to make sure that you talk. I mean, how many times have we heard this, Ed? Talk -hmm. to your doctor if you think ABC is, is right for you. I mean, uh-huh. it is atrocious. It is a criminal act that we allow pharmaceutical drugs to be advertised on television. Europe doesn't do it. You uh-huh. know why? Because the pharmaceutical interests in Europe aren't as strong as they are in America. It uh-huh. is it is a crime that we allow children to access pornography on a phone. But you know what? It's a billion, billion multi-billion dollar industry. A lot of these things are driven by finance. So it's time for us to all take some breaths and prepare ourselves for the gremlin that's behind the curtain. And if you've ever seen The Wizard of Oz, it's one of the most potent movies for anyone to ever watch because it is exactly the question that you're asking. What happened with Dor- when Dorothy and her crew went to go see The Wizard? Who was the voice behind the curtain? It was some little guy who was afraid himself shouting orders into a megaphone, making everyone scared. But yet he himself, Oz himself, was afraid. He was afraid of himself, his own beingness. So how is that a perfect metaphor for what is going on right now on planet Earth? We are all summoning the courage, Ed, to peel back the curtain and look at the the self or the Oz that is inside of us singularly and collectively. And mm-hmm. what's going to be wild is when enough of us, and I think we're getting there. I we mean, are. you and I are on the team. Mm-hmm. Enough of us are going to come together. There's many thoughts about this. Some people say it's in eight years. Some people say it's in two years. I don't know. At some point, we're all going to rise up. We're all going to pull the curtain back and we're going to go, "Huh, I see you. <laughs> and we're going to laugh. Right. We're going to be like, what have we been doing for the past 500 years? Letting this Oz collectively and, and inside of us Dictate our path through life from place of fear. I mean, it's just—it's just like the worst possible game you could ever play is to play scared. You, you know this with mm-hmm. your athletic background and, and the athletes that you coach. The worst thing you could ever do is to play scared. So we're all playing life scared. And you know what? When we're scared, it's super easy for CNN, MSNBC, Fox, the news media, and even the more sinister ones—LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And the even more elephant in the room, which I think is malevolence in pure form, and that is the metaverse. Um, When you have children or adults that are putting on an Oculus and pretending that what they see with their eyes is real, and you are literally ignoring the fourth quadrant of wellness, which is mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, if you remove the physical from the quadrant of wellness and you start believing that the metaverse and Oculus is real, you're done. Like stick a fork in you. You you won't be saved. You will be, the matrix will have you forever. This isn't doom and gloom. This is like a stark warning for everyone watching, listening. If you allow yourself to be encompassed and to be drawn in and, and consumed by the metaverse, it will happen in such a slow form like a frog being boiled in water. You will never get out. So do not let your children, do not experience it yourself. I know there's a bunch of money and investment opportunities there. I get it, but do the right thing, do the right thing. And don't go into this fake world where not only you will be monetized, Ed, but Mm -hmm. also even more drastic, your soul will be harmed. You as a human being will be disrespected. You will be monetized. You'll be treated like cattle, like a number. And there's no getting out. So be very, very wary of the metaverse. And and that's kind of where I'll stop my rant right there. That's what's going on around us is all of these things.
0: That was so well said. And it, it, it didn't touch my brain, it touched my belly and it touched my heart. And that's how we fight this battle from the bottom yeah. up from yeah. the inside out. You know, I want you to add to something here. Uh, I've been called a pranayama expert. I've been teaching pranayama for uh, decades. And the way it was taught to me was when we have higher levels of prana in our bloodstream, our five sense perception, six sense perception is introverted before we extrovert out into the field. When prana levels are low, we forget about the inner world and we identify with the extrovert itself. The energy uh, kind of parasites that are outside of us trying to drain our energy, leaving our adrenals weak, and making decisions from the amygdala rather than the hippocampus or the the two prefrontal cortexes. Mm. So we can do a little breathing. Any style is fine. Raise prana levels. Introvert your sense perception. In other words, imagine there's eyes inside, ears inside, a nose inside, a mouth inside, a somatic feeling inside. Before you extrovert out into your environment, I think you've created kind of a filtration system where your spider sense can turn on and you can self-correct on the fly or you can pull back from that old trigger or you can continue with what's working for you. What are some tools that, that you think can help folks go from here, leave this podcast and grow from the inside out? Remember their greatness. Think and feel from your heart. Put the head in the back seat. Relax with the steering wheel. Don't hold it like this.
1: I love that preframe so much about the increase in prana and the decrease in prana. And you know, what it brings up for me is everyone's got a way of describing things. Mm-hmm. And I like words. I like etymology. I like to communicate. It's enjoyable. Yet, I know that I'm just doing the best I can to try to intellectualize and verbalize a lot of concepts and a lot of things that I simply don't know squat about. Mm-hmm. I don't actually know how electricity works. I don't know why God breathes us. I don't really know how the universe works, and I don't mm-hmm. understand astrology. <laughs> so so I, I, it's, it's really easy for us to intellectualize our healing. It's really into, easy for, for all of us to intellectualize nature. And so I would say this for people to take the emotional inventory, do the breath work. Of course, of course, of course, use state change practices like ice baths and sauna and mm-hmm. conscious movement. Mm-hmm. But you already know this if you're here with Ed. It's like, it's like you already know this, right? You already know the core fundamentals of state change and breath work and all these things. I would just add one more thing to the garden and I would say, be mindful to... Not intellectualize your healing, your humanness and nature and God. Be Mm -hmm. mindful to not try so much to intellectualize those things and be more in the flow of them and just the surrender of them. Like leave room for mystery at the table. Leave room for not knowing. Leave room for humility and and leave room for, for God's voice. And again, it's not some bearded dude in the sky. We've, we've all been taught that that's not what God is. God is something very different. And, um, I would just say that that's the, that's the extra recipe. That's the extra thing that most people aren't talking about is, is leaving room for mystery at the table. And of course, understanding what mystery is, is like an entirely different life path and life life's work. But I think it's really, really important.
0: Yeah. I love that mystery leads to curiosity. And you, and you look at your young boy and gosh, he's so curious about every weight, everything.
1: He's like, don't get him near anything. Cause he'll just grab it and like, pull it down. He was on the counter the other day. We have a huge juicer. He ripped the juicer off the counter. It's juicer is right, like 40 right. pounds.
0: There's always resistance to our personal health and growth. Now we got the kids pulling down the juicer
1: for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you trying to sabotage Nova?
0: I learned. I could talk to you the rest of my life. You're just an amazing soul incarnated here on earth and you care a lot about people. You're very sensitive to the details of life, but you haven't missed the bigger picture about why we're here. How can people hook up with you and dial into what you're doing and explode internally the way Josh Trent carries folks along the way? Well, man, it feels
1: amazing to receive those words from you. Thank you. And I take them like with humility and also enjoyment. And you. if you want to get involved in really if you're here with Ed, then you'd love what we're all about too, because you and I, Ed, are in the same camp, right? We might have a different voice, but we're in the same camp. I love it. If you guys, if you guys want to continue this conversation, just go to wellnessforce.com. Wellnessforce.com is where you can start everything. And if you want to get some of the fundamental practices we're talking about, you can just go to wellnessforce.com forward slash m21. I took like All these shows that I've done, I think it's almost 500 shows now. And I just put, thank you. And I just put six things that are backed by science, six practices into this guide. It's a great guide to start. It's complimentary. Even if you're working with Ed, if you're working with a coach, these are great practices to, to integrate. So it's wellnessforce.com forward slash M 21.
0: Are you leading any live programs down in Texas?
1: Not in person right now. I do have men's, I do have a men's work group that comes to the home and we do breath work and sauna and ice, Awesome. Um, but I'm, I'm actually in the process right now of growing an online community with maybe a quarterly in person. That's the next Mm -hmm. stage of evolution as we all return back to being in communion, right? To being in community.
0: Mm -hmm. Beautiful, man. Well, from the bottom of my heart to the core of your heart, Josh, thanks for making my day. It's just you have just inspired me to go out and be the best version of myself. And I can't can't thank you enough for that.
1: Thanks so much, Ed. It's time to go
0: be great. Appreciate you, man. Congratulations. Have a great day.
1: Thank you. You as well. Peace. Take care.